What are you afraid of me? Reveal, O oh God, your wonder to our minds, and open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness, and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O oh God, from thoughts without action. Guard us with words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways, and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. In Celtic tradition, there is an idea of love and friendship, an idea of brotherly, sisterly love and friendship that is called Anapara. It is a Celtic phrase, it's a Gaelic phrase, that translates to soul friend. An Anapara, or a soul friend, is someone who we can share our inner selves with, our, our inner lives with. We can share the, the deepest matters of our with a soul friend. There's a sense that in this kind of relationship that people belong to one another. They're not just people who pass by one another in their lives, but have a deeper sense of connection in their relationship. And this kind of friendship is God's gift to people. We read about such a friendship in our scripture this morning, scripture that tells the story of Jonathan and David, which is one of the great stories of spiritual friendship in the Bible. Jonathan is the son of King Saul, and David, we you know David from those stories, was grown up anointed to one day replace Saul as king. But as these two grow in their faith and their leadership, as Jonathan and as David gain a sense of relationship and David gaining a sense of importance under the king, one would think that these two become competitors, that they begin to vie to outdo one another. One would think Jonathan would particularly lean into this as just everything that David did was successful. He won battles, he inspires people, he seems to succeed at everything. He plays instruments and beautiful music. And all of this makes David, Saul's go-to guy for responsibility and important tasks and ultimately as Saul grows less than enamored with David, let us say. Saul begins to send David into more and more dangerous territory, hoping that one of his assignments may overtake him. But what is significant about this is that rather than feeling diminished by David or in competition with David, that there is sense, a deep sense of connection, a sacred companionship that Jonathan and David have for one another. Now Jonathan, the Bible describes their relationship with one another as being one in spirit. And the Bible says that Jonathan loved David as himself. And we hear echoes of this when Jesus teaches 
teaches the disciples, saying, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the way Jonathan approaches David. David, David shares the same sense of being a sacred companion in return. It is reciprocal. And later in their lives, when Jonathan dies, David responds with a song. It's called the Song of the Bow. It will be our scripture next Sunday. But in it, David sings at the conclusion of his song in honor of Jonathan, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan, for greatly beloved you are to me. And today's scripture gives us a snapshot of their lives together that can give a vision of what their entire relationship was like. David, or excuse me, Jonathan gives David his robe and his armor and his sword and his bow and his belt. Jonathan is giving David things that are valuable to him. They are important to him. They are necessary items for the work that Jonathan does for his father, the king. And yet giving them to David is a sign of the meaning of their friendship. Giving these things was a blessing to a friend, a blessing given in spirit, in faith, in sacred companionship. It meant, Jonathan giving these things to David meant that any time that David was out in battle or on an assignment, that he was carrying something of Jonathan with him, literally. But it's also a sign of what David carried of their friendship with him internally. Now friendships we know come in many varieties. Some friendships are close for many years. Some form when we are young and despite all of the different moods of our lives are sustained throughout many years. Some are built around affinities or hobbies or cheering on our favorite team. Some relationships form simply because we live near one another and find a, an affinity for one another by that, within that proximity. And some, like the ones that we make at church, may not necessarily have the structure or the proximity or the time as those that we make elsewhere. Nevertheless, there are very sacred friendships that happen among those who count themselves as part of the church, who are the church, who are members of the body of Christ together. We share, as the church, the blessing, the practice of blessing one another and carrying the gifts of one another with us in ministry. Much like the way Jonathan and David shared with each other and carried something of the other with them. Now I know sometimes it may seem that church relationships are as simple as coffee or tea after church or 
being a deacon together or serving on a committee together. And others do form over a long period of time to be neighbors together in the pews. Each Sunday, you wonder where they are if they're not there, or you get the possibility of greeting them because they sit in the same place every week. Some of us, not all of us. It might even be a relationship that's formed because you prepare for the same kinds of church events year after year. Easter or Scottish Sunday. It might be the joining of voices by being members of the choir, one of those practices that we may not always get to know each other personally in the choir, but there's something about knowing one another's voice in harmony that deepens our relationship. reality is that there are some connections that deepen beyond the quaint and the small experiences over time and many years. And then again, there are many that may seem like they do not. But I want to suggest that even what seems like are small or quaint or otherwise have a lot more depth than we sometimes give credit for. The relationships that are shaped by being the body of Christ together in the church means that we do, like Jonathan and David do, we bless one another and we carry one another's blessings with us. Not just when we're at church, but in other parts of our lives as well. It's why when we hear that someone is grieving or their health is not what we want it to be, that we feel and sharing companionship with them even when we are not together. You see, there are many small acts that we make for one another over the course of a lifetime that shape us into relationship with fellow church members. These are more meaningful than meets the eye. The reality is that over the years, again and again, we bless one another with presence and with support, with prayers and with by singing hymns together with energy and imagination, with love and with care for one another. And it might be a meal delivered to home after a surgery. It might be a note of care or, or just regular Sunday to Sunday warm greeting from a generous Sunday morning usher. It might be finding resolution and forgiveness when we disagree or have hurt one another in some way. And yet, it might even be more trivial, like that great casserole that you never eat anywhere else except a church potluck. The thing is that sacred companionship grows from a lot of seemingly small things and a lot of really big things. Some of these small things are really not small at all. Even when we may not have the substance of many years or, or a long period of time to get to know one another, we do have the sustenance of God's Spirit. We have the offer of faith shared from our very own 
hearts to one another in our lives together. Like Jonathan offering what is his to David, we do offer blessings that may not seem so profound at the time, but looking back, we find that they really are. And having received those blessings, we hold them close, we hold them dear, we, we cherish them, and sometimes not even realizing how much so until much later. I remember a time when I received such a blessing from some folks in my congregation. My previous church in Louisville, and I was standing at the communion table leading the sacrament of the Lord's Supper just weeks after my wife and I had our first daughter. I can tell you that I was tired beyond any other time in my life. And I'm not sure I was entirely there, present. As we got to the part in the liturgy when I was offering words of blessing over the bread and breaking that loaf and putting it down on the table and then taking the cup and the pitcher in hand and looking out at the congregation entirely blank and wordless, not knowing what to say. And the pastor who stood next to me started to say those words. Those words. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup. And I not having them, she beginning to say them, and an elder in the first pew starting to say them with her, and another catching on next to her as I stood blankly pulling the cup and a pitcher. I sometimes wonder if I fell asleep at the table not knowing it. And we made our way through it until I could finally say, do this in remembrance of me, those words that Jesus instructs us to say together, to do together. Now, there were a lot of knowing smiles that morning, knowing smiles of a new young father. And though I struggled to remember the words, there were sacred companions alongside me who blessed me by bringing the words when I did not have them. And I struggled to do what seems so simple, something that we do so often, that is a blessing that I keep with me still. This is the kind of thing that we do together when we share our life of being part of the church, part of the body of Christ, part of one another as sacred companions in the presence of God. At a glance, it may not look like much, but carried over a lifetime, week in and week out, month in and month out, we realize valuable, how important, how meaningful these blessings are for us and for one another. I want to close with a story about Sam. Sam is a pastor who received a call from a man that he did not know. Sam welcomed a meeting and he realized that as the man came uh, into his study that 
coming with a sense of fear. He spoke with a strong accent, and it was clear that he was not from their city, and he carried in his hands a small box. From their conversation, Sam learned that the man wanted to give Sam the box, give him the box, so they, they sat down so that Sam could hear the man's story and to learn more about the contents of the box. Now, it turns out that this man came from a country where democracy was not the way of governance and to be considered opposed by those who ran the government was a dangerous position to be in. It is why this man left his country to seek asylum and live in their city. But he was making a decision to return home going to return home even though his safety and his well-being would be at risk. And the man explained that he had, he had commitments and, and he had people and he said that it's not going to get any better if the people who want a better future leave. And it turns out that this box and its contents were not a presence, they were not a gift. It was more of a responsibility, really. The man opened the box and gently showed that there was a small toy animal inside the box. It was a toy from the man's childhood that he held onto over his entire life and even fleeing for his own life. This is one of the things that he took with him. It was sacred to the man. And he wanted it to be safe, even if he would not be. And so the pastor said what the man wanted to hear. Leave it with me. I will keep it safe. And apparently Sam still has this box, even though he has not seen the man again. See, this is the kind of blessing that we share in the church. The blessing that we keep when we are sacred companions, sacred friends for one another who share life as the church. We may grieve a loss. We may struggle with a transition in our own lives. We may celebrate the joy of something that is so good and we celebrate together. We may give thanks for someone new who has entered our family. We may share the emotion and the heartbreak and the joy of, that we have with one another again and again and again. In so many ways, we respond to one another saying, leave it with me. I will keep it safe for you. And more often than not, we do the same as response to those who offer us this blessing. Sometimes, like Jonathan giving to David, we receive the blessing and realize that in our intention to keep it safe, that really the other person has already done it for us. So as we go from worship today, I may you know Christ, our eternal spiritual companion. May you know the gift of friendship 
as part of the body of Christ. May you have the blessing to say to another, leave it with me, I will keep it safe for you. And may you know the blessing of one who says the same to you in return. May you know these gifts, these gifts of friendship this day and always. Amen. Amen.